gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Monday. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. Lots to discuss, including our UFC, or I want to say almost weekly UFC show. Although, guess what? We don't have one next week. But you know what I mean. They are, they always come strong with the schedule, with a strong schedule every year. And this weekend was a UFC fight night with Corey Sanhagen and Song Yadong at the top of the bill. But guess what? That was sandwiched by so much 2022, right? The ADCC 2022 submission grappling event. Uh, Gennady Golovkin, that's Triple G versus Canelo Alvarez. And then the World Championships in wrestling have been going for like the last week or so. Big stuff there. Big, big day for, big week for USA and a few of the star athletes so literally between that and all the news in our sport oh my god overload that and of course football love me some football i can't i, I don't know what i would have done if there was a man united game at 4 30 a.m somewhere in there but i'm glad they're on an international break all right folks it's mma junkie radio on a monday september 19th All right, guys. So let's just kick off with the UFC. That's what people tune in for. It is MMA Junkie Radio, not Combat Sports Radio. Um, or I guess it would be Combat Sports Junkie Radio. So let's at least get this fight out of the way. And then we'll kind of d- dip in and dip out. Corey Sanhagen defeated Song Yadong at the UFC Fight Night show. If you're into the numerate events, it was Fight Night 210 or ESPN Plus 68 or UFC Vegas 60 of your hashtag guy. Sanhagen defeated Song Yudong in the fourth round officially. All right. He didn't come out for the fifth because it was a doctor stoppage. I'm not so sure he should have came out for the third or the fourth. Well, at least the fourth. Man, deep, deep cuts on Saturday night goes, we even had one with Gregory Rodriguez as well against Chidi and Jaquani, but the doctor said, nope, let him fight. I felt like we were at the uh, Roman Coliseum. They were deep, deep cuts. Um, but to Song Yadong's credit, I mean, he didn't fight bad up until when they stopped it. What'd you think? Yeah, that's the thing was the whole card. Like if we were to look at the mat and not know what went on, you would have thought an animal got slaughtered or something. I mean, there was just cuts galore. But in this particular case, I'm kind of with you. I didn't even think he needed to come out for round four. That thing was pretty damn nasty. And Corey was really taking aim at it. But Song Yudong didn't really fight a terrible fight. I think the cut just had a lot to do with it. You know, the blood getting in his eyes and the loss of blood. But overall, it was a fun and interesting fight. I think a lot of us felt like it was going to be that way going forward or before the fight even started. I leaned towards uh, Sanhagen, but I had a feeling that Yudong was going was gonna to put up a good fight, and um, that fight didn't disappoint. Yeah, 
I enjoyed it for the time that it was it was there, or you know, as it was playing out. But I think Corey Sanhagen for sure, especially when we got to the championship rounds, even though this wasn't a title fight, he was pulling away. He just has endless cardio and he has so many plays in his playbook. In this case, he opened up Song Yudong with a uh, upward elbow. And guess what? Wrestling, I think, goes is what helped create the path to victory for Corey Sanhagen. What do I mean by that? In round in the early rounds, he was going for some takedowns. He was getting some takedowns. And while he was banking rounds, I think he was really wearing on Song Yudong's um, gas tank. And that started to pay off as the fight started unfolding. You can just tell when those hits to the face aren't getting blocked or parried or deflected they start to land you know and then especially once you have a cut opened up there's a target there um but i think that's what made the difference so it paid off for sanhagen now along the way song yadong also staggered Corey sanhagen and you know so when the fight's playing out with four ounce gloves anything can happen but it looked like sanhagen had a nice nice game plan stuck to it and uh and then you know the kickboxing and muay thai got it done in the end um to yadong's credit he wanted to continue fighting at the end he couldn't see out of the eye and you could hear the, the camera caught that but he didn't say he couldn't continue he was still willing to fight he just couldn't see out of one eye and then on top of that he had just a horrible cut and so folks what you can tell by the cut is when they start really opening it up and you feel like you can see part of the skull. I mean, the infection that could lead to, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, between that and, and not being able to see, if you're a sitting target against another, you know, killing machine, it's over, man. I, I just think that your, your time is done. And um, you can live the fight another day in this sport. That's the beauty of it. So I was okay with the doctor. Where many wanted him that wanted him to stop one round before, I was like, "Well, the doctor took a look. What are we gonna do? Let's fight." That's that was my attitude. But then even me, I towards the end, I was thinking, "Yeah, now it was injury plus the ineffectiveness of the fighter and and the long term damage he could suffer in a fight that he really has zero chance to win." And you know what goes as I say that the Jets, the New York Jets, beat the Cleveland Browns yesterday. They scored 14 points in less than two minutes. And the probability, you know how there's mathematicians involved now, the probability of how that would have happened, everything that needed to happen was literally 99.9. So that's kind of, I mean, I think even Song Yadong had more of a chance than that. So it's funny how as we say that, literally the crazy stuff that happened this weekend. Yeah, your your mic just went out. But um, the the Miami Dolphins did something very similar as well. And that's the thing is like, it's not just um, the cut that was completely nasty and what could happen to the cut. It's the fact that he couldn't see out of one of his eyes as well. And he's in a fight where he's losing. Um, you know, all it takes is think about all these like at the beginning of any UFC card or main card. And you watch those highlights. You could be one of those guys. And every time you see one of these guys get head kicked or something, that just doesn't go away the next day. Like you have lasting effects from those types of things. So I, I think it was a great decision to stop that fight because you don't want to end up like that. Like Song Yudong still has 
more to his career. He could still accomplish a lot of things. And I think a lot of people thought he had a, a lot of guts fighting the way he did. So it would be easy for him to bounce back from this. But to take a KO loss just because you want to be a tough guy doesn't make sense. Corey Sanhagen, you got to give props because it wasn't too long ago that he was in a prime position. Things didn't work out for him, but he was able to turn things around and uh, and really change his trajectory of what he could do. I mean, remember, this is like one of the nastiest divisions in mixed martial arts, not just in the UFC overall. But Corey Sanhagen, he has the skills. He's shown that he can compete at that high level. So I think uh, for him, that performance did a lot. Think that right, George? Yeah. And uh, 20 minutes in, my computer, sorry, my my mic is uh, acting up. Sorry about that. Sorry about the adjustment on the audio. Anyway, I kind of got the gist of what you were saying there with Corey Sanhagen and Song Yadong. Um, Corey Sanhagen, after the fight, called out Cheeto Vera. He said that fight possibly makes sense. And uh, makes perfect you, sense. Yeah. Are you into that fight or? Yeah, I like it. As soon as he said it, there, every once in a while, somebody will say a fight that you just didn't really think about. You automatically play it out in your head really quickly. And I, I'm all in. That, that's a great fight. Good job. Good call out. I hope he gets it. And Cheeto was there in person. So he was kind of down with it. The Marab Davilashvili also was uh, part of the call out. You know, he just beat Jose Aldo. The other guy just beat Dominic Cruz. It's hard to really distinguish who's ahead in the pecking order. What we do know is that Aljamain Sterling is going to defend against, boy, it's early in the morning. Let me get my bearings straight here, against uh, TJ Dillashaw. For the most part, I don't think Sterling has acquired enough equity, whereas if Dillashaw were to win, oh, he gets an automatic rematch. He hasn't done that. A, he just only has one title defense. B, he doesn't seem to be a Endeavor favorite. It was much more fun back in the day when we could say a Zufa favorite. So that one's a tough one. But what it can be goes is it can be a classic where all of a sudden everyone's on their feet and Dana White kind of has to run it back because we all want to see another 25 minutes. That could happen, but it's unlikely. What, what can happen goes is if Peter Yan and TJ Dillashaw win, well, now you would have a guy as a challenger who beat the guy that would be champion. Or, get this, if O'Malley wins, I mean, beating Peter Yon, as popular as he is, how does he not get the winner of Dillashaw versus Sterling? Therefore, back to Cheeto or Marab Davilishvili versus Corey Sanhagen, I mean, just book the fight because I, I just think there's too much going on there at the top that one of them needs to hang back and see what, what happens in October. You got to make your money now. And I think the writing is on the wall. There's just so many scenarios where these, these guys are going to get passed up that just take that fight. Keep keep the ball rolling. Keep the cash coming in. Um, it, it's murderer's row. It's, it's a horrible division. But there are so many scenarios that will keep them out of that fight that I would just take the fight. I think it makes the most sense. What I would do if I was Marab or Cheeto, 
is I would be the backup if they asked me to. Because I've seen in the past where when you're the backup, you just kind of become next. I think it happened to Glover and Jiri. Um, doesn't always happen. But I remember Chandler was a sub, but he had to fight Hooker next. So, But, the, but then the fight afterwards, he got the fight. So, mm-hmm. it you know, it does do you some favors, but that's probably pretty tough mentally. Again, you're away from your family. You're training for two guys, not just one. And the fight might not happen. Now, you probably get a, a decent show purse, probably a little bit more than what you normally get. But there really isn't a win purse or win bonuses or anything like that. You're just there, and you still have to cut the weight. Um, but I've, I've noticed that it has paid off. I wasn't I wasn't a fan of it before, but if it's if it gets you to the road of the title, anything for that. What's even better is if you're just a contender and you're on the card, and then definitely make championship weight that way in case one of the two in the main event can't go, boom, you get promoted. But anyway, Bantamweight division. Love me some Bantamweights, my favorite division. I'm sticking with that for now. Although, goes we lost the Bantamweight. And to be fair, probably a guy more known for being a featherweight, Jose Aldo. He retired this past weekend, and it was kind of sad. Because, like they say, our heroes are starting to go away. Now, what do I mean by that? The UFC probably has a bigger roster than ever. The sport's bigger than ever. There's solid French uh, promotions out there like Bellator, PFL, One Championship, you know, that that are doing some really, really good work. So there's more fights that I can watch, and there's more fighters in these fights available to me. The only problem is goes... There's, uh, it's, it's, they haven't become stars yet. And they've also grown up in an era where they haven't, they haven't gone through what the other fighters used to do. And that was, um, being approachable. And, and I don't mean like to sound like a stalker, like in person, Hey, can I get a picture? You know? I mean, in terms of that and social media, and social media really, really helped push the sport forward, right? Mm-hmm. You can just tell the fighters are a little bit more distant, and, you know, it, it's changed. It's changed. And so when you don't have that connection and you had it at one time, it can go one of two ways. It can turn you off, and you're like, ah, all right, then I guess it's just like other sports. And... I'll get back to, you know, when I was growing up, I was a big football fan or I was a this and I'll just just call me for the big fights or you can just move along with it because you love the sport. And regardless, this is the time you were born when, you know, the sport had evolved and it's it's just different. But a lot of us have such great stories to tell from our interactions with fighters or the sport itself. And some of the younger generation, I feel like sometimes they don't and, and they won't. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it is unfortunate. Jose Aldo, when you look at everything he's accomplished in his career, one of the things that stands out for me is is he's one of those fighters that was able to do it over multiple eras of the sport. And that, to me, is almost just as impressive as, as you know, the amount of title defenses and all that because um, he's fought the best of the best. Like, if you look at fights that maybe you wish he would have been involved in, there really aren't that many. 
And that says a lot about his character, the fact that he fought everyone that was available, all the top fighters. The only one that I can think of that I thought their paths probably wouldn't have crossed when they were in their primes. But uh, when BJ had made that drop, I thought it would be nice to have those two fight. But I think by then, BJ was kind of closer to being done. But uh, Jose's fought everyone, dude. Everyone. And um, you're right. I mean, this new crop of fan, I don't, I don't know that they really understand him because as good as Jose Aldo is, he could be frustrating at times because he didn't let it go in every fight. And so um, the new crop of fan, I don't know, understand, I don't think understands just how dominant of a fighter this guy was. Like he wasn't even losing rounds back in the day. Yeah. I can think of one fight though goes is Dominic Cruz. I think yeah, both of them coming off losses. That should still have. He could, he could have had a swan song in, in Brazil. And for the most part, when fighters are done, you wish them well. And I wish him the best, obviously, because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe he's waking up with headaches every day. I don't know. But if he has health in him, I think him and Dominic would be a fun, fun fight. And I think it would be similar to Ferguson and Diaz, where you'd see two guys probably past their prime, but it doesn't mean that the fight would suck. Because they're not like 60-year-olds. Um, you know, they're just a few years re- removed. And at times, they can still have those moments where you where they show, you know, that they could possibly still be a world champion. They, they put it in your head that they possibly could do it. But then, you know, they, they shift gears. They downshift. And it's just not there, right? It's just not there for a full 15 minutes. But I think those two could really, really do something. And guess what? I don't think there would be a loser in the fight. I no. think there'd be a standing ovation. I think it'd be. I think it's very promotable, and I hope he reconsiders it because, like I said, it's just neither Dom nor Jose are near a title shot. And but I think it would definitely be fun to see each other's skills against each other. Um, and uh, I think it's a it's a good farewell for him. Dom just had a. A fight in San Diego, you know, which is kind of like his adopted hometown. He's originally from Tucson, Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. But he's been living in San Diego for about 15 years. He just had a fight in San Diego. didn't go his way. He was fighting well, honestly. And uh, so I think he wouldn't mind even being the road game here. Well, don't forget, like, it wasn't that long ago that Marlon Marais was saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. Or probably in a similar situation, former champion, maybe losing a step here and there. Who's to say Jose Aldo doesn't reconsider right after a couple months? But uh, yeah, um, Marlon Marais to the PFL as a featherweight. So that's a, it's at least a minimum of the two regular seasons, and then the semifinals and finals. When you commit to the PFL, man, that's no joke. Like you're literally going, all right, four fights, and guess what? They don't start on January first and end on December first or thirty first. They start in April and then in November. So you literally have the four fights in what? I guess that would be about seven months. You know, that's that's four-way cuts. And uh, you, you kind of get a handshake for a, a decision because mm-hmm. there's just a chance you might not even get the other two unless you get, I guess, maybe an, another win for sure. Um, usually you get a finish and, like, it's we'll see you in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's it's it's. 
it's no joke. And plus, it's a little bit of a downsizing in terms of, you know, going to a PFL show. It's not like going to a UFC show. No disrespect intended. I enjoy both. But the fighter experience, it's a little bit different. You know, you're not, especially someone like Jose Aldo or or Dominic Cruz, literally it's just um, thousands come pay and come to see you, you know, and, and PFL still finding its footsteps in that regard. But anyway, back to Jose Aldo, great career. Um, whether he's the greatest featherweight of all time, I don't know. We'll probably have that discussion on spinning back click. And if we don't, maybe we'll clean it up a little bit on Thursday. But I got to believe that that discussion involves him, the guy that beat him for the title, which was Max Holloway, the guy that's beat Max Holloway three times, and that's Alex Volkanovsky, who also beat Jose Aldo, and then also Conor McGregor, who beat Max Holloway and Jose Aldo. And so now you get into title defenses and records and who knows what. What I think none of us can dispute is that Jose Aldo is the greatest featherweight champion of all time true and you know with the seven title defenses volkanovsky's got four but title defenses are a whole other animal when you get the belt that your life changes in many ways financially but the pressure that's on and the killers that are coming after you you know you got to fight them off and volkanovsky's fought four of them off and and really it's only been three dudes because max has been two of them Mm-hmm. One of them was when Max was the champ. So we've had Ortega, Max, and, and the Korean Zombie. So he he still needs three more to catch Jose. And, yes, we we tend to be kind to the the more modern era. I remember going, well, we don't need uh, Kamaru's money to get the nine to tie GSP. Well, guess what? He only got the five. You know, and we a lot of us, not me, I stuck to my guns, but a lot of people were like, nope, he's the greatest now, even at five, because he's never lost in the UFC. And, you know, he won 15 straight or something like that. And I was feeling him. It's not like it's not like a year wildly wrong answer or nothing like that. But where are we now? Both GSP and Kamaru Usman have two losses in their career. GSP had two of them in the UFC. Kamaru had one in the UFC, one outside the UFC. GSP has the nine title defenses. Kamaru had, the, you know, five. Um, it's a little bit of a different ball game, you know, now. So... That's why you kind of have to hold your horses a little bit. Same thing with Izzy and Anderson Silva. I know he beat him, but we all know he caught him at the tail end. We don't know how it would have been prime versus prime. So we kind of tend to let the facts, you know, and the stats dictate a little bit. It's weird because, you know, we always talk about head-to-head, right, being the biggest factor. And you look at the losses that he has, well, all right. That kind of solves things there. But you're right. Title defenses are very important when you're talking about the entire career of a fighter. And um, I still have him as being the greatest featherweight, but he is hanging on by a thread, bro. By a thread. Yeah, see, Volkanovski's four. The other guy's got seven, but Volkanovski does have a head-to-head, and he's got an amazing overall record with only one loss. And he's been getting, he's been looking even better and better, but we'll see. We shall see. There's still three more to go. Maybe we don't need to get to seven versus seven just to, you know, talk about that. But for now, I'd say this Aldo's the greatest featherweight champion ever. Max, sorry, Volkanovsky's the greatest featherweight ever. And Conor McGregor's the most richest featherweight. <laughs> 
popular mm-hmm. featherweight ever. I mean, now he's a lightweight. Hell, now he's a a welterweight. And have you seen him? Have you seen the controversy that USADA hasn't tested him in a year? Is that true? I, I saw it, but I haven't looked into it. I mean, that's kind of if that's not if if that's the case, that kind of sucks because he's a monster. You know what I mean? And I don't know why he's doing all that. He says he wants to fight again. I I, I don't think that's going to help him out a lot because he, he you know you're still only so tall, and I believe he's about five ten, five nine. Um. Welterweights are big, dude. Welterweights are just big dudes. If you can find another lightweight that'll fight you at 70 and you're not the cut, God bless you. That's what he did with Cowboy Cerrone. I think he may have done that with one of the Poirier fights. But, and I don't want him to go to 45 because 45 definitely he was, you know, a skeleton almost. But I think 55 is it. The muscle had to come off. But, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Anderson Silva when Anderson Silva went through a Anderson Silva. You looked at him and you could just tell that guy doesn't really need to use steroids. He's just naturally gifted. But when he went through that leg break, it did look like there was maybe something that may have helped him get through that. And that's why he eventually did have an issue, you know, one that one time that I remember. And so this guy's got a leg break as well. And who knows, man, maybe this gives you more, more confidence or, for sure it does. Assists in some way, but that that's just weird that USADA, which is worldwide, has not been able to test him in one year. I mean, I don't know about that one. And I'm, I, this isn't even more me accusing him. It's just bizarre that you hear all these stories about, like, Kamar Usman getting waking up at 5 a.m. Was it him? Was him, right? 5 a.m. On the day that he's supposed to cut weight. He could have got him all week, but on the day, you know, that he suffered the most, you needed to do this. Um, yeah, something ain't right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nate Diaz. I mean, it, that if it's true, and, and you can easily go on the US, USADA website and look at it, um, that's a damn shame. Oh, yeah. Gregory Rodriguez defeated Chidi and Jaquani in the co-main event. Now, these aren't the biggest names, although we love Jaquani because he's the bigger, younger brother of Anthony and Jaquani. And these are two guys that we've gotten to know pretty good and seen around in the city. So, you know, I think subjectively we can say we were rooting for Enjo Kawani to to do well. And he did. He threw a knee early on, not full force, but it did land and it cut open Gregory Rodriguez. Rodriguez's cut was just as bad as Song Yadong's. That's why in back to back fights, it was kind of unique that, you know, the, the doctor was like, nah, I want blood. And, he didn't stop it. He very well could have, but he didn't. Well, in this case, Rodriguez came back and got the win against Chidi and Jaquani via TKO stoppage. But Jaquani, who had burst on the scene 2-0, skinning fools, he had a chance with Gregory Rodriguez with that knee, like I said, but uh, he wasn't able to capitalize. That was a strange fight, man. I really – I feel like when Jaquani goes back and watches that, he's going to kick himself a little bit. There were situations where he was just close to getting that finish. And then when he was put down, I just felt like it wasn't the worst position in the world. Like if he just would have moved a little bit or something, I think he could have got out of it. But, uh, you know, it's going to suck because when you, when you put that kind of damage on your opponent and still come out with a loss, that, that's got to sting even more. Yeah, he was covered up. 
And when Rodriguez was raining the punches, a lot of them weren't even really hitting in Jaquani, you know, flush. Like you can see the ones that go under the armpit or just get through your heart, your guard. Some of them will land flush and you're like, oh, you can just tell like that one wasn't good. But a lot of them get deflected. And so what happens is a fighter waits for that one moment where all of a sudden he might, you know, turn into the fighter or attempt to stand up or just give any sort of a movement that tells the referee, I'm in this fight and I am hurt, but I'm intelligently defending myself by not just turtling up. You know, it's almost like turtling up is kind of defending yourself, but you just can't be there for so long when the other guy just keeps hitting you, even if he's hitting your arms. Um, you can't do that forever either. Cause at that point you're kind of telling the ref, I'm done, bro. I'm covering up, but I'm done. So they give you just enough time where you can cover up and then figure out when, which direction you're going to go or what you're going to do about it. And then you can get up and you may get up and be staggering all over the place, but you're still not turtled up getting rained on where the referee can stop the fight. Chidi didn't do that. And to me, it looked like he had that in him. Like he could do that still. It was only the second round. And I don't know if he's kicking himself, regretting it, or if he would say, fool, I was out, you know, like I was really, really hurt because I don't know. I'm not in there. But when you watch enough fights, you just get the sense of like, no, I think he's good. I think he's good. He's covering up. He's doing the right thing. Pop up, spring up, you know, do something. Nope. Next thing you know, fight's over. Yeah, it did. It did look odd. It really did because uh, I felt like he had more fight in him and he wasn't really getting hit. Like you could just tell the... When you watch enough fights, you know what the referee's about to do. Um, he was blocking pretty much every shot. I, I think maybe he just didn't. Maybe he just was really hurt or something. I don't know. But, yeah, it, it didn't look right. Other winners on the main card were Andre Feely, Joseph Pfeiffer, Rodrigo Nascimento, and Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Any thoughts on any of those four? Fluffy, man. That dude, when he puts everything together, he's a menace. He's fun to watch. Got a, a good personality. I think that kid could could turn into something pretty good. Yeah, and he said, "I don't watch UFC. Just tell me who I'm fighting next, and I'll come fight and do my job." But he really, it looks like he could care less about who's next or what their names are, where they're from, any of that. Just I, I don't watch UFC. This is just what I do. And Guess what, man? When he came through Dana White Contender Series, I remember going, ooh, that guy knows how to throw punches. He's got nice hands. But he's got pretty good wrestling, and his submission game is pretty tight as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And he's got a good personality to go along with it. So he's kind of like that man's man. Uh, just a fun fun fighter to watch. I, I think he could do more in this sport. Damon Jackson, Trevin Giles, Loma, Lukman B., they both, they all three got wins on the early prelims or the prelims. What did you think of either of those three? Jackson fighting with a heavy heart. Yeah, a lot of fighters fighting with a heavy heart, right? Like this was kind of a sad card when you think about some of the stories that were shared at the end of fights or even uh, you know before before the fights took off. A lot of sad news out there, and it just shows what these fighters have to go through, like. I don't know, man. I don't know that I could put together much had I suffered any type of loss in my family the way some of these people have, let alone fight another human being. Um, That's tough. And when you look at a guy like Damon Jackson, who is rebuilding his career, uh, very similar to like a a Julian Arosa or, you know, um, he's on the rebuilding path and, 
just all credit to that guy, dude. Yeah, no doubt about that. And aside from the heavy hearts, how about Lukman B's honesty? And mm-hmm. she wasn't even sure she wanted to be with us here on the planet, you know, and she spread the message. If I can get through it, anyone can get through it. So Andre Feely, it was a sad Yeah, credit to her for saying that and, um, you know, opening up. She definitely didn't have to. Like like Fluffy said, hey, I, I don't really want you. See, I just come in and fight. And sometimes us as fans, we don't take too much interest in you either if you don't share, and that's fine. Um, but if you do share, guess what? You know, the, the community will definitely have your back. So our best wishes to her to continue. I believe that's going to be a, a daily fight for her, at least up until some point. Maybe there'll be a day where she can go, I'm good, guys, or whatever. But hopefully her team, her friends, now that she's opened up, will keep an eye on her um and i hope this isn't attached to wins and losses it shouldn't be like that it should be something that she conquers on her own um right. trey ogden jillian robertson javid basharat nicholas mota they also got wins on the prelims any thoughts there nah okay. i actually missed those huh i actually missed those oh okay fair enough well i will say this Julian Robertson, man, she's got a lot of submissions. Oh, wait. I'm sorry, I did see the Julian Robertson. Yeah, that, that was that was pretty unique and pretty pretty legit. I just wish, I wish she had a total package going on there because if you were to mix a little bit better striking with that, you'd have a lot. Yeah, she submitted Molly McCann, Pollyanna. Well, no, she didn't submit Pollyanna Botelho. Um, Courtney Casey, Priscilla Cachoeira. So. She's gotten some pretty good fighters, and I think that's like six mm-hmm. subs just in the UFC alone. So she's getting it done, and uh, congrats to her. That's no easy task, but she does seem to win two, lose one, win two, lose one. She doesn't seem to get any uh, sort of momentum going in her career. Yeah. And I'd like to see maybe like a three-fight win streak, a four-fight win streak. Just that That's what kind of puts you in the talk. In your division. And remember, this is a division where if you have something like that, it doesn't matter who you are. It's just that Valentina's fought everyone and beat everyone. So she's looking for new opponents or waiting for that one stud that, you know, uh, gives her such a hard time like that they got to run it back, like like the last Brazilian. Was that Carol Rosa? It's, uh, it keeps your job, that's for sure. But, I mean, yeah, you want to accomplish something big here. Because eventually, if you fight too many times, every time you redo your contract, you're going to get a raise. And at some point, they're going to look at it and say, well, what are we actually getting here? Yeah, you're right. There could just be the the, the UFC roster watch is what it's called. All of a mm-hmm. sudden, you're just not there. And a lot of it has to do, like, they just didn't renew your contract. You know, you, they don't get cut off wins, but sometimes you might win your last fight on a contract. And what happened was they didn't try to sign you before that. And you didn't, uh, and, and they, when, if you decided not to take whatever offer they did and then roll the dice on yourself, but along the way, they kind of weren't all about you to begin with, then they might just go, well, now, now we're at a stage where we're just not going to sign you. Guess what? Last week on Contender Series, we saw three beasts, you know, that could take your spot. So nice knowing you. Shake your hand. And that's it. Talia Santos, sorry, I confused her with Carol Rosa, um, was the one that gave Valentina Shoshenko such a great fight that they they may 
running back sooner rather than later. Uh, Rose, uh, I keep saying that Santos got hurt in that fight, so that's why it didn't happen immediately. But uh, we shall see. Um, anyway, lucky Lauren Murphy, I think, is another one that wants another crack. But yeah, Jillian Robertson, she could get some sort of a streak on. She could be in that spot. Molly McCann, keep an eye on her because she's super popular. She wants Antonina Shevchenko. She didn't. Did she get her? Hold on a second. See, this is the problem, man. This sport has so much going on that I don't know. I know she signed to fight in New York, but I don't think she got Valentina or Antonina Shevchenko, did she? She is fighting in New York. I think Antonina hadn't even fought yet, right? When she made that call out. Aaron Blanchfield, that's right. She gets Aaron Blanchfield at UFC 281. But I liked her path because she did it very respectfully. She wanted the she wanted to go through Antonina first. Antonina did win her last fight. It was close. And um but that would have put McCann with the win streak and a Shevchenko name if she beat Antonina. You definitely get the champs uh, attention that way. So, you know, Jillian Robertson's definitely not in a position of where Molly McCann is. But guess what? Jillian Robertson has beaten Molly McCann. So at one point, she was in a better position than Molly McCann. So she can turn it around like <coughs> Molly McCann has. She'll definitely have a shot. But like Go says, she needs to round out that game. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so that was basically UFC fight night 210. And it was a fun card on what started off as an early afternoon affair. I wasn't fully into it going in, and I wasn't buzzing coming out because this is the time of year where you're just you're just part of a big sports weekend. You got the Dodgers that are, you know, clinching spots and winning games. You got USC with their new coach blowing teams out, covering as well. <clears throat> that was fun. Triple G and Gennady Golovkin fighting their trilogy later that night. Early in the morning, I had gone to ADCC 2022, so I was already kind of buzzing from there. And then, of course, those world championships that took about 10 days overall. But congratulations to... What's his name? Kyle Dake, Jordan Burroughs, uh, a few of the ladies. Big, big, I think seven medals last I checked the United States had at the World Wrestling Championships in Belgrade, Serbia, if I'm not mistaken, is where they were at. So that's huge. Jordan Burroughs has six gold medals in these world championships. That, to go along with the 2012 gold medal, pretty damn amazing, man. Pretty damn amazing career he's had. Uh, he's got to be up there when you discuss the greatest United States wrestlers of all time, just because Maybe of those athletes alone. And he's got two NC2A titles. So that's huge what, what he's done. And again, credit to him and all of the United States for their performance. Now, I will say Russia was not competing this year or that Russian Federation. Sometimes they go by that name as well. Um, and they usually do very well, especially on the men's side. Japan kind of holds court on the women's side, and Russia kind of holds court on the men's side. But they weren't allowed to compete, so this was a time the US, the USA got to do what they did. But guess what? In the history books, I don't know that anyone really ever remembers that. 
I remember in 1980, we boycotted the, the, the uh, Olympic Games that were held in Russia. And then in 1984, they boycotted the, uh, the Games in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So it was them and East Germany and a few of the other communist countries, like maybe Cuba or whatever, because we, along with some other countries, had done it to them. Um, but in 1984, that's when Carl Lewis was a star, you know, and like he won his four gold medals. And nobody was nobody was saying if the Russians were here, it'd be a different story. I mean, maybe it would be or whatever, but he won his gold medals. And we'll always remember him and all the athletes from those games doing special stuff, you know, and it's, you know, you got to be like a real hardcore to have that little footnote or that asterisk and be pointing that out. It's like, eh, whatever, man. So anyway, it still stands. Jordan Burroughs, not all six of them as Russia not not been there. So there you go. Yeah, you might end up being one of the greatest athletes of all time. I mean, that's a lot of gold. Like, people are happy getting one gold medal, let alone uh, six. So that, that's pretty amazing. Hell, yeah. Congrats to him. 34 years of age, so probably too late to go, well, what about MMA? Um, doesn't seem like he's ever really had interest in it. And he probably does pretty well, honestly, with how popular he is in terms of making money. Just like Usain Bolt, that guy was a pretty rich dude just from running 100 meters or 200 meters. Uh, he won three gold medals, by the way, and probably some world championships. So that and, you know, it's pretty staggering, the records that he broke. But hopefully Jordan Bros has also been able to do that for himself. How about another stud from this weekend? Um, well, congrats to Canelo Alvarez. I can't spend too much time on that because I didn't really watch the fight. I just saw the highlights. But I was keeping track of the scoring, and it seemed like Canelo was definitely in control. Now, there was two scores that were 115-113, which what that means, folks, is uh, Canelo won seven rounds to five. And what that means is had he not won that seventh, he'd be stuck at sixth. But if he doesn't win the seventh, that means he gave it to Gennady Golovkin. That could have possibly been a majority draw, you know, two 114-114s, and then the other scorecard was a 116-112. That's eight to four. And, um, but from what I was reading, when people were turning in their cards and tweeting, it just looked like it was a runaway. I guess Gennady Golovkin closed it at the end, the gap a little bit, but but enough rounds had been banked. But that series is over. Gennady's 40 years old. Um, Canelo, I believe, is 32. I mean, it was a trilogy that didn't need to happen because what happened was it was a draw. And a win for Canelo. Not two wins for Canelo, a draw and a win. Now, arguably, that draw you could have given to Gennady. But these are two big stars, and, and you know, boxing fans appreciate that. And so that's why they were willing to run it a third time. But the, 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 when I say the trilogy is over, it kind of was over in, in a way. Um, but I guess they could have been 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Yeah, if you look at Triple G, he's just... He's just too old now at this point to be competing. I mean, uh, you're looking at a guy who's firing on all cylinders. I mean, I know he lost his last fight, but he challenges himself. You know, he goes up and wait a lot. Um, but, yeah, that he's just a slower cat. Like, I, I had a good feeling Canelo was going to catch him. Yeah. Well, he did. And Canelo shakes off that loss he had against the Russian where he tried to move up to light heavyweight. Man, the mm-hmm. dude's only like 5'8". Like, that was a bit much, you know, for Canelo to do. 
But um look like Rocky and Drago out there. <laughs> here's something that stood out to me, goes here are the reported payouts according to at boxing scene. Canelo Alvarez got forty five million for this fight. Gennady Golovkin got twenty million. Do you think this ain't gonna be talked about? You know, like <laughs> for uh, you know for a few weeks, especially when it goes head to head on you know the same night as the UFC, not a UFC pay per view, but it doesn't matter unless we're talking about McGregor. There's no way salaries get that close. That's gonna pop up. And here's what I mean: Joe Rogan kind of hit a triple crown of combat sports. I don't know if you saw, but he went to ADCC like I did early on Saturday. And he got to see his friend Gordon Ryan compete. We'll talk about Gordon Ryan just a sec. Gordon Ryan is a 99-plus kilo guy, so pretty much a heavyweight. The reason they fought earlier, usually they go by weight, is because Gordon Ryan wanted to do something pretty special, and that was compete as a heavyweight in the tournament, but also he was going to do a super fight against Marcus got Marcos Galval on Sunday night. So he needed everything in the schedule to go a little bit earlier versus later so it wouldn't brush up on the super fight. And so Joe Rogan was able to catch him compete uh, in the round of 16 and the quarterfinals, which was Saturday. Then he went to um, the Apex and watched, and not commentated, he just watched as a fan, the San Hagen Yadon card that we talked about earlier. And then he left that because remember, remember that main card started at four. So when it ended around seven, him and Dave Chappelle hightailed it over to Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Alvarez. So, so that's that's pretty big, you know, when you're a millionaire like that and you got it like that. That's pretty big to be able to do those three events the way he did. I'm sure they had amazing access or whatever. But right away I saw one comment. Well, what'd you think of Gennady Golovkin or Canelo's $45 million payout? Are you you know are you curious to see what Sanhagen made? I was like, oh man, here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see because obviously he made more than the entire card, the UFC card. But I would venture to say he might have made more than like the last two cards put together. All the fighters like that—that's an insane amount of money, man. Forty-five million for a fight that, like, honestly like you said, didn't even really need to happen. It's not even like it was a real, real marquee fight in boxing. I think we all kind of said, cool, you know, cool, we'll watch it. But it's not anything people were really clamoring for. And he made $45 million from it. Well, here's the thing, goes. Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. have finally been booked. That's mm-hmm. a fight, fight uh, fans have been clamoring for. I'm not so sure either one of those guys is going to make $45 million. It's a testament to how big Canelo Alvarez has become that he can get $45 million coming off a loss, albeit he's trying to rack up these titles, you know, along the way, but he didn't need to go all the way up to light heavyweight to attempt to win that title. Um, he's the unified middleweight champ. Is he? No, Golovkin is. This was for super middleweight, 168. And so, um, yeah, like, but, but it's a testament of how – popular he is and the zone is willing to pay him this was a zone pay-per-view um but what can we do to get fighters there never 
Yeah. Never, ever will happen. A, you got to con continuously just win fights and make yourself, you know, appeal like that. But um, that's tough in our sport. That's tough because Usman had, had an amazing thing going, you know, and then all of a sudden he takes that loss and it's like, all right, so Edwards versus Usman. And if Edwards wins, Edwards and Shamaya, and we can turn the page quickly. Whereas in boxing, you become a star, you're a star. Yeah, yeah, it's never ever going to happen because the model that the UFC has wouldn't work that way. It wouldn't survive. So it just it would never happen. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't even think we would get close to that. You know, you get your Conor McGregor's every now and again, but it just can't sustain that type of thing. So, yeah, me, you know, I'm thinking Francis and Ganu, the heavyweight. Um, if he were to like maybe knock out two more fools and one of them being John Jones in a stadium and the other one either Miocic to end the trilogy or I guess fighting gone again, maybe in Europe or in Africa. But geez, he's having trouble probably getting 10 million, you know, or whatever. To get the 45 million, it's gonna have to be McGregor, but McGregor's lost fights, he's gotten injured, he's partying. His dance partner just left the UFC, so like, yeah, it's it's we're a ways away. Um, but that, that's that number was pretty staggering to read: forty-five million for one, twenty million for the other. And I know some MMA athletes want that, but have you done what Canelo Alvarez has done? I mean, that would be my first question. You if know, they, and I, and I'm not they, saying take your five hundred grand and shut up. But I'm also saying, have you done what he's done to deserve 45 million? Go ahead, sorry. For 45 million, half of the fighters wouldn't even fight ever again, um, and they definitely wouldn't keep a schedule of three fights a year. There's no way. It, it just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't work in our sport. Yeah. I brought up Gordon Ryan, this guy. So all credit to Jordan Burroughs, Team USA Wrestling. And if I'm not mistaken, that Dake guy, Kyle Dake, he's the mm -hmm. one that won four NCAA titles in four different divisions, too. So to now get this gold medal, like, to go along with that, that's – I got to give him a shout-out, too. But um, Gordon Ryan – so submission grappling is basically, you know, you're wrestling. Uh, I've seen some judo throws. I saw some calf kicks, for crying out loud. Um, they were kind of disguised as – like trips, you know, but I saw some fighters get worn for it. You know, you see a little bit of, of, of Greco tie-ups and things like that. But, you know, the crux of it, I guess, is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And there you go. The first word, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Originally it was jiu-jitsu. And then it became Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I think Brazilian jiu-jitsu is probably, it, it took its next step and advanced, you know, through the teachings of the Gracies and, and, and all that. And uh, so now we have an American that's dominating what used to be dominated by Brazilians. And this guy's like something else goes, he's now won in three different divisions, 88 kilos, 99 kilos and 99 plus kilos. He's also won the absolute division, which means, Hey, when we're all done, Guys from different weight classes can compete in a round of 16 and and just to see who's the best, barring any, you know, all, all weights invited. In fact, I think I saw 
David and Goliath, man. There was one match in the absolutes where you had an absolute giant in the heavyweights against one of the smaller competitors. And it was really, really fun to watch, to tell you the truth. Um, but in the end, the, the bigger competitor won. I think, was it Nicky Rodriguez? I can't remember. but Or Victor Hugo, I think it was who it was. But um, so then Gordon Ryan later on did the super fight, and he beat Galvao. So that was pretty big because Galvao is like a four-time winner of the super fight. What happens is when you win the absolute, the following time, you get to fight in the super fight. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you win the absolute, you fight the winner of the super fight. This time, Gordon Ryan beat Galvao in the super fight. That means he's going to fight the winner of the absolute. And I forgot what that guy's name was. But I remember it was two Brazilians in the final. So that's what happens. And so this this event happens every two years. Boy, you want to talk about how I'm making drag on? Goes 11 a.m. was the first match on Sunday. And I think it ended around 10 p.m. Wow. So that's a day that can drag on. But they had, like, um, you know, different matches in between. They had a little bit of a, a mini convention on the side, you know, where people could go. Restaurants were open at the Thomas and Mac. You know, you could go in and out, I suppose, with your bracelet and go, go to your hotel and sneak in an app or do something else or whatever. But, um, yeah, those are two long days. Now, granted, ADCC will say, hey, we don't do this every weekend. We just do it every two years, although the last one was in 2019 because of the pandemic. But I'm glad I went. It was fun. I don't know if you caught any of the highlights or tuned into flow, flow Grappling. Yeah, no, Ryan's a beast, dude. Uh, a lot of smack talk, too, with him and Galbao, so it was nice to finally get an ending to that. But he's just a monster. He is an absolute monster. He takes great grapplers and makes them look like they're, they're at their first class ever. Like It's amazing. Yeah. He trapped his arm too um, on when he when he set up the goal. So uh, when he won the fight, mm-hmm. when he got the um, rear naked, the rear naked choke. Yeah, he trapped the arm really nicely. It reminded me of what um, BJ Penn used to do. But sorry, here, here's the winner. The, the winner of the gold medal match was Yuri Samoyes. He defeated Nicolas uh, Maragali. So Samoyes will get to fight uh, Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan did have a call out for a guy named Felipe. And that's Felipe Pena. I, I think it's a guy that he's mixed it up with before. And um, Pena has beaten him. So that's why he was saying, you got 20 minutes to get ready. We'll do it right now. And the whole crowd went nuts. But um, obviously that wasn't going to happen. But a big shout out to a guy named Mo Jasm. He's the one that brought, he's taken over ADCC. And he, his first show was in Anaheim. Then now he had it in Vegas. And by all accounts, everybody was extremely happy. He really, really spent a lot of money to make this thing happen, and it was really, really a big thing, man. It was loud at times, it goes. I saw Dana White there um, and Joe Rogan and a few others as well, Nate Diaz, Frank Mir. But um, I'm telling you, like, the crowd was very educated, so when the moves were happening, it was just as loud as a UFC knockout or something like that. Well, yeah. Packed arena? Not packed, but... um, on day one, so they cut it off with a curtain. So picture full capacity, I think it's about 20,000. When they cut off the curtain, I'd say there was 15,000 tickets to be sold. And on day one, maybe 10, no, 7,500 showed up. Half. Because between 7,500 and 10,000. But on day two, again, 
20,000 got cut off because of the stage and the curtains. So 15,000 to sell. That day I'd say it got to about 10 or 12,000 it looked like. So yeah, it was a you know, good crowd, good times. I had a blast. And uh, ADCC, USA World Championships, or World Wrestling Championships, UFC, boxing, it was absolutely crazy if you're a combat sports fan. So much available. And shout out to FloatGrappling.com. They had a nice stream going. Uh-oh. What was that? Uh, no, no, it's just warming up my vocal cords. <laughs> All right. We're going to get on out of here, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to our show. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, everything that took place this weekend. And I hope some of you did catch some of these other combat sports that we've been talking about here because it was pretty cool. And they're a big, big part of what makes mixed martial arts. Um, Not one time did anyone ever complain about the grappling that was taking on the plant uh, on the ground like there wasn't like stand them up there was just a fond appreciation for what was happening there uh anyway all right folks we will see you soon go out and be a champion <laughs>